You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Thank you for that. We're back in Luke chapter 1. We just heard from the angel going into Gabriel and also into Zacharias about the birth of Jesus and also of John. So now we're picking up here in the later half of Luke chapter 1 and we're looking at just the different songs of Christmas. So uh, we have a kind of unique in Luke's record and Luke's accord, uh, there's actually three songs uh, that we see here uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he gives to us uh, for, for this Christmas time. And uh, generally, we see a lot in the Old Testament uh, for centuries when God did a redeeming work, when he, uh, when he delivered his people, uh, Exodus chapter 15. Uh, we have the song of Moses. This was right after when God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. They, they, they came across on dry ground, dry ground through the Red Sea. And then open, uh, they, they instantly burst into song. They go into just talking about how God has delivered them. Uh, we have songs of Miriam, songs of Deborah. All the way into Revelation, uh, we have the song, the new song that God will put in every heart of his child. Why? Because he would have redeemed us once and for all when that new heaven, new earth comes down. So we see songs all throughout scripture. And now it's no, uh, no, nothing short here in Luke uh, when the true redeemer is coming, the Messiah, the chosen one. We now see the songs of these three individuals. So we're excited. We enjoy songs. I, I did do a, a different study. I won't go into it. It kind of seemed to hurt and criticize all of our beloved songs of Christmas, uh, like uh, Jingle Bells and some other ones. But it was interesting enough, 1857, I just looked this up this morning in a little bit of study, and I thought I'm getting carried away. I'll just share this one to you. But 1857, a Unitarian church uh, song leader wrote out the songs to One Horse Open Sleigh, Jingle Bells Now, and it was actually written not for Christmas, but for horse sleigh races. And so I thought that was kind of unique and interesting. And now it's a very popular song we had today. But we'll kind of move past those songs and look into the songs of Scripture. So uh, the first song, as Mary is going into it, uh, in verse number 46 there, uh, as she looks into the very first word, uh, my, my soul doth magnify the Lord. So in, in Latin, in Greek here, uh, they've taken the song of Mary and called it uh, the, the, the Magnificat. Uh, so that is the, the, the title of her song to the Lord. And then Zacharias would be the Benedictus. Uh, and so we'll look into that one a little bit later. But we're looking into the, the song of Mary and we can see her, her soul, her, her heartbeat. Uh, she is overwhelmed. Uh, she is just awestricken. She, is, uh, she has that special joy and pride, realizing that she is going to give birth to the Messiah, the Christ child. Uh, the joy that overwhelms her heart. Uh, she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She's noticing, out of all the women in, man, in, in human history, uh, God chooses this peasant girl, Mary, uh, to be the uh, one that delivers the promised uh, Jesus, the, the, the Savior of the world. And she says, uh, he has regarded me. He has taken notice of me. And you think of Mary in her little, uh, public, uh, let's just say poor town. What's that word? Pobrish? No, that's not it. 
Something like that, right? Uh, in, her, in her poor little town, uh, God has taken note of her and she's giving that praise back to God that he has regarded me. And that's the same for you and me. Christ hath regarded us today. Uh, and Mary, it's the true original Cinderella story. It's where God has taken and chosen her. And then uh, and continue. Uh, verse 46 to 49, it's actually what we just read here. Uh, and, and Mary, just before this, tells the angel Gabriel, how can this even be true, uh, that I will deliver a child? I know not a man. I've not even been with a man. How is this true? And what, is, uh, what does Gabriel say to, say to, to Mary? Uh, Gabriel says, uh, but with God, all things are, are possible. The God that spoke life and created the universes, uh, this is the same God that's going to bring life to you. The Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 that moved about the face of the water back when it was without form and void, this same Spirit is going to move in you and create Christ inside your womb. And what a just a neat thing that God can do. He brings life out of nothing. He brought holiness uh, to Mary's womb there. Luke 1, uh, 1 50 and 52. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats or thrones and exalted them of low degree. Imagine all the weapons of this world, uh, of all of old times to now, the nuclear bombs, every single weapon of war that we have today laid on a table. God just with one single hand of motion wipes it all off the table and he anoints who he chooses to anoint. He sets that apart as Mary is giving praise uh, to God. God Almighty right there. And then uh, 53 and 54, He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He hath sent empty away. He hath hope in His servant Israel, <clears throat> and in remembrance of His mercy. And notice here, she goes back instantly to talk about Israel. And this is where the, the king, we know of all the prophecies of, of Old Testament, Mary makes mention of that to realize that she puts the connection that she is going to be the one to help fulfill prophecy of all the Old Testament uh, from Abraham when he offered his son Isaac. She is remembering and she is coming to gather all of these things that she mentions. The hope of Israel is going to be within me. And I'm giving birth to that. And she's just praising God. And the amazing thing about uh, just looking at God's timing. Uh, two different times in, in, in Greek here. Uh, we have chronos. That's the time that we know it's chronological. We have one to two to three to four to five all the way and it repeats its day. Uh, but the other time in the Bible is kairos. And that's a lot of the times how the Bible was written. It's not written in chronological order. It's written in the kairos order when things will set in order. Uh, I believe we talked about this back in COVID time in the parking lot. I enjoyed that talk. I won't go much into it today. But the Kairos, uh, there's a, a, a verse in Galatians when God says the fullness of time was come. So that means imagine your cup. Uh, we, we drink cup probably just with a little bit of room so when we walk around, it doesn't spill over. Every now and then our kids, uh, when we, we can ask them to give us a cup of water and it's so joyful knowing that they can finally get it themselves, give me a cup, and it's nice. But whenever I do that, it comes at a price. That cup is filled to the brim of water and they're walking. I said, why don't you just bring it a little bit less so I can even take a drink? It spills half over me. But anyways, when we look at uh, the fullness of time, we look at a cup 
It is filled to the brim. There is no more room that can be added. And then here's where Kairos comes in of time. Uh, it's just like what God has been doing. God has been steering the history of all mankind to where it is full to the brim. And at that perfect moment of history, Jesus Christ comes down, Emmanuel, filling that cup. The fullness of time is now complete. It is satisfied in Jesus' birth. And this is what Mary is talking about with the hope of Israel. And so just pretty neat there to see uh, just the times now Mary gives that hope and gives that deliverance uh, to, uh, to Israel and of course to God Almighty. And now we're going to look down into the second song. We're just going to enjoy the songs. It's probably going to be a quicker service, but may it be a helpful service to our hearts today. Song number two, the song of Zechariah. This is still in Luke chapter one. This is in Luke chapter one, verses 68 through uh, 79, almost, almost towards the, the end there. Obviously the last verse, save aside. But now we have Zechariah. Uh, he is, he is going to prophesy. He's going to give his, his Benedictus, uh, which is his song of, of prophecy, is going to be towards uh, to what the angel is, has been blessed with. His wife Elizabeth, John the Baptist, uh, the forerunner uh, to Jesus. We're going to look into that in just a little bit here. Uh, 68 and 70, uh, we're going to look at those two verses. Uh, it says, we'll look at 67. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up on a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which hath been since the world began." So here we have Zechariah. He's giving his song of praise to the Lord. And he stops here in verse number 70. We're going to look at that one word, visited. It's pretty neat. It's exciting. Hope it will be a blessing to you here in just a little bit. So it's, I say verse 70. It's not in verse 70. It's in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. That word visit here, let me get my notes so I don't make a mistake here. Uh, it's, it comes from uh, the, the Greek word episkopos, which is what we get the word bishop from. So that's the, that's the underlining word in Greek. But here's the breakdown of it. It is, it is based on the verb, which we get the noun bishop. So it's a little bit more than just episkopos, uh, but that's what we're getting. The root word is scopus, which is what we get the word scope is to look into something, a telescope, microscope. So this word visited, half of the word is, to, is scope. And then the, the root word here meaning epi, this is to intently look. It's to forcibly scrutinize what you are looking through. So here, Zacharias, as he gives praises uh, to God, he almost relay, relays what Mary talks about, the hope of Israel. He goes right back into that. And so here we get uh, that word scope, telescope, microscope, and it means to intently be looking. Uh, in the in ancient Greek war, uh, world, their armies, the general would be called almost like the bishop of, of what we think of churches in different church categories today. Uh, they would be called the Episcopos. And this was the general. They would line up their armies when they were getting ready to war and they would scrutinize their, their men. They would scrutinize the people to see if they were truly ready for battle. And if they weren't ready, well, there'd be some punishment taking place. If they were ready, well, they'd be praised. They'd be lining up, getting ready to march on. 
And this is interesting because in, in, in 1 Peter 2.25, Jesus is called not only our shepherd, but he is called the bishop of our souls. So Jesus is the general. He is the, uh, the supervisor and he is looking in to see if we are ready. Uh, he envisions a super way all that is taking place in the midst of his people. As that general, making sure as we get ready to war, he is looking at the opponents, looking at the enemy. He is looking at our state of affair to see if we are ready to go on. And he's either going to bring that punishment or he's going to bring that praise. So here in, in Israel's history, when Zechariah is giving that benediction and when he is saying it's either going to be this praise or it's going to be this punishment. And Israel for all this time, they have been searching, they have been seeking for that Messiah to come. They wanted the Messiah just to come and take over the world. And they had a little bit of fear saying, well, when this Messiah comes, are we going to get judged? Are we going to get punished? Uh, but here, going into Zechariah's uh, praise here, we see that this isn't bad news of impending judgment, but it's great news of redeeming visit from God. In verse number uh, 60, uh, 68, uh, he hath visited and redeemed his people. It's a, it's, a, it's a song of praise. There's no punishment coming for God is coming to redeem his people. It is Emmanuel, God with us, is being celebrated in this hymn. Uh, verses 71 through 75, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So just like in Mary's song, we see that connection right back into Israel. And obviously we know as Gentiles, those that not, are not Jews, we have been grafted into this great promise. So we adapt the same promises as they do. But here they're looking back to the hope of Israel and they're able to have that true song. And then it goes into uh, the covenant with Abraham and they're constantly bringing that back up because that was their hope. That was what they looked to. They knew that God will make of them a great nation and continue to deliver them the Abrahamic covenant. And then we get in the 60s or 76 through 79 this is with John the Baptist this would be Zechariah's son and thou and you child shalt be called the prophet of the highest for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sins uh, through the tender mercy of our God whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us uh, verse 77 I'm sorry verse 76 He's telling John, John the Baptist uh, that you will be the prophet of the highest, that you will go before the face, uh, uh, you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Uh, the, the best way to, to think of this is a wedding scenario. Uh, the, the best man, John the, Beth, John the Baptist is Jesus's best man in the wedding here. And where it gets even more unique and awesome about the wedding celebration is when we think of the wedding, uh, Jesus is our, is our groom. We are his bride. And Jesus and John the Baptist 
in the not, you got to get out of kind of our idea of a wedding, our idea, you know, it's, we're not going to knock our American uh, wedding here, but back in uh, to understand scripture and even to understand the promise of the second coming of Christ, it's really tied in heavily to the weddings of Israel and of Galilean cultures. And so in Galilean culture, the bride, believe it or not, would actually have to be ready at all times. And so they even would sleep in their wedding gowns until that bride or until that groom were to come. And generally when the groom were to come, they would blow a trumpet. They would wake up everybody in the streets and pronounce the party, pronounce the great coming of the groom is coming for the bride. And isn't that pretty neat? We'll have a trumpet one day that will rapture us up. But even more amazing, when the groom would come, what, why he would take so long is because he would go back to his father's house and prepare a room in addition to that actual house. And so the father, this would now be God the father telling Jesus the son, to go get your children. So in that time in, in, in Galilean culture, they would say, okay, as there's no building inspectors, uh, we had, can you imagine the building not being done by inspectors? We could have been in that thing already. But no, they, the father, since there was no inspectors, they would tell the son, hey, what, the room that you have been building or been adding on to my house it is now proven. It is now ready. We've inspected it. It's not going to fall. It's not going to tear apart. It's going to be a sufficient house for your family, for the, for the bride, for the groom, and for our future kids. You know, he's a grandpa. He wants to make sure that the, the house is going to fall down on his kids. Uh, reminds me of a story. My dad was helped putting in a fan in our, in our up apartment upstairs. And as he's putting in this fan, it's not on a stud. It's on the, one of those chintzy Lowe's arm brackets. So it's in between two studs. It kind of just like spiders out. So it's holding itself up uh, between the two studs. And my dad's helping me install this thing. And as I look up to him, he's beginning to all, uh, how much does he weigh? Uh, 220 pounds of his body is starting to slowly pick his feet off the chair. I said, what are you doing, dad? He said, this is where my grandkids are going to be. I would kill me if the, if the fan fell on top of them. I need to know. I said, well, the fan's 15 pounds, not 200 pounds. Can you just put a little bit of resistance there? And sure enough, he's dangling from the fan to make sure that it holds. And praise the Lord, we didn't have to do drywall repair. But I look back at that. My dad, who knew his future grandkids were going to be in that house, he wanted to make sure it was sturdy. He wanted to make sure something that he put in wasn't going to hurt the foundation, wasn't going to hurt his own family. And looking back here at the Galilean wedding, that's when the father would say, it is now time to go get your bride. And they would announce the trumpets. That best man would come before and tell everyone, prepare you the way the groom is coming. That's John the Baptist telling everyone, behold, the lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. He's the one that prepared the way for the Messiah. It's just pretty neat to look into that little study there. Uh, but in verse number 76, uh, as he's preparing the way, as his dad is saying praises, uh, we have, I said 76, and now we're going to 77, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. We know what that verse is right there, the remission of their sins. This is the first clue of salvation, that however salvation is going to be brought to us, it is going to be involving the remission of our sins, the removing of our sins, the removing of our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And the next verse over here says, uh, through the tender mercy of our God. 
praise the Lord right there. That is salvation to us by the tender mercy of our God. This is the song of praise from Zechariah. And then also in, in 77, I'm sorry, 78, it says, Whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That's another name of Christ, the day spring. That is one of the sweet names that God is. He's the star that brightens the dawn. He's the one that truly comes to remove our sins. He's that hope of Israel, but not just of Israel. He's the hope of mankind. He's the hope of the world. Uh, to give light to them, verse 79, that sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Hallelujah to God right there on high. And then the third song is this. This is Luke chapter 2. This is a song of Simeon. You may know a little bit about Simeon. It takes place in 25. We'll give you a little bit of groundwork. Uh, 25, Simeon is told by God that he shall not die. He will not die until he beholds, this is verse 25, until he beholds the Christ child. He is going to be able to live as long as he sees the promised one being delivered to uh, to Israel right here. So I don't know how his life went. I don't know if every day he went, Simeon went to the, the temple just looking. Is today the day that Israel is redeemed and that Israel is going to truly have the Messiah come for us? And I don't know, the Bible doesn't give how much time went by, but I know at this time he's an elderly man. And so he's aged in life looking for the Messiah. What a great way to age in our life as well, looking for that blessed hope as we continue each and every day to keep our eyes on the Lord. Uh, but verse 2, 25, and let's, let's pick up here. Let me look here. Uh, let's say 20. Yeah, and it revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. So they're bringing in Jesus as is customary. This is what everyone did at eight days old. They brought the kids into the temple uh, to, to go into the law. And then as they do that, they see an elderly man pick up an eight-day-old Jesus and send Jesus. And can you imagine Mary and Joseph as they see an elderly person saying, he just grabbed my son. Sometimes when you have a newborn baby, you can't stop those sweet, blessed people just from picking up your child. Isn't that right? Here's Simeon just with the, with the, with the revelation from God, uh, the Holy Spirit telling him to get to the temple today. As he goes there, he sees Jesus and he holds eye on eye. He sees Jesus Christ. And we've, we skipped over verse 25. We'll come right back to that. That's another name of Jesus. But as he sees that, he sees the Lord anointed. Uh, now he knows, and he says these prophetic words, or now he says these, these words inspired by him. Uh, where am I? Verse number 20, uh, 27. We just read 27. 28, then he took him up in the arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And, uh, and then verse, uh, oh, that was it. Yeah, and then verse 29, the fact that he has said, now I am ready to fully die. I have seen the Redeemer. I have seen the Messiah face to face. In verse 25, uh, the Bible calls him the consolation of Israel. Simeon holds up the hope 
of all the world in his arms and said, it is now enough. It is that fullness. It is time for him uh, to, con- to, to, to die. And Jesus is the consolation of Israel, the one who will bring peace, the one who will bring the tender mercies of God. In that sweet eight-day-old Jesus, in that baby form, Simeon is able to pick him up and hold him, the, the, the king, the ruler of the world for all of eternity. Simeon now says, it is now time and I can die. And he saw the Christ child, he saw the Messiah. And then we see here as we close off Simeon's song, uh, we see the prophetess Anna coming in. Uh, this is 34 through a couple of verses later, 34 and 35. As Simeon is blessing the child, uh, we see here as Mary later on in the chapter, she's going to contemplate every word that has been said. She's going to ponder on these things. And here's what she's going to probably be pondering on. Uh, where, where am I? Verse 35? Is that what we said? Yeah, we're at verse 35. Let's go, let's go 34. Here we go. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set. Here it is. For the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that through uh, that that the thoughts of the many hearts may be revealed. So here's Mary as she's saying, the Savior of the world who's going to rise and fall many. And then says later on the next chapter, and then the prophetess Anna also is going to be spoken here. It says, but your heart, Mary, is going to be pierced by the sword. And here she takes away that little baby. What a unique circumstance. She knows it's Christ, the, 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 the Messiah. And as she thinks about these words, the Bible says she ponders them in her heart. What does that mean? Christ is going to be the one that rises and falls, but yet her own heart is going to be pierced. That's, what, of course, referring to later on when Jesus is lifted up on that cross and she has that heart. She sees her son uh, die. So there's a song in the air with these three individuals. It's a song of redemption because Christ hath redeemed us. They only can just sing of praise and redeeming grace back to God. All, uh, Mary says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Uh, Psalm 43, and believe it or not, we're come to closing right now. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. This Christmas week, God has given us a new song. God has given us the song of salvation. It is Emmanuel, God with us. As a child of God, you have Emmanuel living inside your heart, your soul, your breath. Your life is being led by Jesus Christ himself. We have the ability to have the same three songs of Christmas in our heart and song all this week until December 25th and beyond. He has put a new song in my heart. So this week, this, this day, this, these upcoming days, let's have that song of redeeming grace inside of our hearts. So let's live out a life of gratitude. Let's magnify the Lord. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And the only way she knew how to say that was through song. I'm not asking for all of you to become songwriters today, but hey, try to write some little chorus about what God has done for you. If that's not your case, pick up a song that you already know from the hymn. Listen to something on, on I would say the radio. You listen to songs, I guess we still listen to songs on the radio, but listen to a song online. Listen to something that's going to refresh and refuel 
fuel you to give that praise and adoration back to God. Maybe families, get back as a family unit and sing a, a hymn, sing something that would be just uh, Christ honoring. If you know Handel's Messiah, go through that this week and sing it all because it is just good stuff that brings praise and glory to God Almighty. He hath put a new song in my heart. So today, this week, we have the ability to sing that song of praise back to God, the songs of Christmas. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the joy it was to preach and look through these three individual songs that you gave to them. I pray, Lord, if someone does not know uh, that they have a song in their heart that comes first by having Emmanuel inside living with them. If there's a visitor or someone that's been coming for months or even years, that does not have that song in their heart, Lord, that does not have the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak, the Holy Spirit would work, and that you would just leave, uh, lead people to your word, to your, uh, to, your, to your Savior, Lord, to Jesus, to the Messiah, to the one who is going to take the remission of sins, Lord, uh, by the tender mercies of God. And we thank you for your salvation. We want to lift you and just promote and praise you, Lord, for all what you have done. I pray that you just would be with this short time of, of invitation where you would work. And Lord, those that came, uh, that you just would speak to their hearts, Lord. Give them a song of celebration, a song of adoration, Lord. Uh, just a song where we magnify you because you are worthy of it all. Lord, we love you so much. Uh, just speak and move through this time, please. And Christ, me pray. Amen. As we have pianos play just for a moment, maybe you come. You guys can look at me right now. Normally our church uh, members would have a time of prayer. Uh, we're going to let you have a time of prayer just to give God that song back to him. But maybe you don't know if you have a song in your heart. Maybe you don't know if heaven will be the place, will be your home. Uh, just like we talked about that wedding when, John, uh, when, the, when the father prepares that room. Will you have a room prepared for you by Jesus? You can if you put your faith in him. So if you don't know anything about that, I'd implore you just to walk forward. We'll have some people up front. You say, that's a little bit nerve wracking. It is. But would you will have everyone bow their heads, close their eyes. If you don't know heaven to be your home, if you don't know if you have Jesus in your heart, uh, we'll have some ladies up here. We'll have some men up here. If you do not know heaven to be your home, I pray that you would just uh, come forward and have someone pray with you. Maybe, for, for instance, you do know heaven to be your home and you just want to give God that song of celebration. I, 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 I beg you just to pray uh, and give God that song of praise back to him. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.